Welcome to GW Integrative Medicine, the podcast about disease prevention and health promotion from the Office of Integrative Medicine and Health at the George Washington University School of Medicine and Health Sciences. I'm Dr. Misha Kogan, Associate Professor of Medicine here at GW and Medical Director of the GW Center for Integrative Medicine. And I'm Janet Rodriguez, the Office's Administrative Director. Today, we're joined by Ailey Cohen, MD, FACR. She's one of the world's leading experts on on environmental health and the co-author of a new book called Non-Toxic, Guide to Living Healthy in a Chemical World. This book is a part of the Oxford University Press Andrew Weil Integrative Medicine Library. The book is Practical Guide to Living Healthier in Our Modern Environment. Dr. Cohen has collaborated with the Environmental Working Group, actor, friend, Drescher, Cancer Schmancer Group, and several others, and is a co-editor of the textbook Integrative Environmental Medicine. Dr. Cohen is triple board certified in internal medicine, rheumatology, and integrative medicine. She helped create a continuing medical education course on endocrine disrupting chemicals and their relationship to human health. She lectures nationally on this topic to communities academic institutions, medical schools, and podcasts like this one. Welcome to GW Integrative Medicine Podcast, Dr. Cohen. Thank you so much for having me. So, Dr. Cohen, what got you interested in endocrine-disrupting chemicals and their relationship to human health? Well, quite frankly, I stumbled into this area of research and and, uh, and, and communication, uh, because my dog actually got really quite sick about nine or 10 years ago. And I was a young mom and uh, the dog was ill. I took him to the vet. He was a golden retriever and turned out he had autoimmune hepatitis, which is incredibly rare for dogs, especially golden retrievers. And as I was trying, my heart was broken. I was trying to figure out what made this beautiful dog so sick. And of course, I'm an autoimmune disease specialist in training for humans, I started to unearth, unravel, open a Pandora's box of information that I had never heard about before in terms of regulation issues uh, of all the chemicals and products that we use every day as I was searching through his dog food, his dog toys, his tick collars, um, and seeing whether or not any of that made, uh, you know, had it had an influence on his illness. So I did stumble into this quite haphazardly, but uh, I do dedicate everything I do to that beautiful dog. Ellie, it's such a amazing story. I, you know, I, I don't know if you knew, but I also personally had uh, something similar. I got mercury poisoned from amalgams early in life in my 20s, developed asthma out of blue. And through the medical school, um, working with people like yourself, it gradually led to understand myself better and detox and so I, I think I can heavily relate. I think it's one of the most important topics we've covered on our podcast. So could you give us some examples of how the normal workings of our bodies are being deceived by this environmental pollutions? Yeah, sure. Um, I think I'll start with it, just a couple shocking numbers just to kind of set the stage. Um, in the United States, due to horrendous or, or completely absent regulatory oversight, we have over 90,000 commercial and industrial chemicals that are in all of the products that we actually love. Our cleaning products, cosmetics, there are over 1,100 um, untested food additive chemicals. We have chemicals that make their way into our drinking water, um, either intentionally 
um, such as chlorinated chlorinated chemicals, byproducts, detergents, um, fluoride, or even unintentionally, which are sewage and uh, manufacturing runoff, um, air pollutants that make their way into our drinking water. Um, But we have chemicals that are antimicrobial, that are marketed to us uh, to make us healthier and safer and less laden with bacteria when, in fact, they themselves actually have problems in terms of their ability to affect the human uh, hormone system. And so that's where we stand in 2021. Uh, We we have an unregulated system of chemicals. Um, We have about 800 known uh, endocrine-disrupting chemicals, which are chemicals that have this unique uh, ability to disrupt the normal workings of this very vulnerable human endocrine system, which is all of our hormones. Um, and so that's just the 800 we know and are evaluated through university-level third-party systems, not manufacturing. Uh, they're not required to test for these types of safety and health and uh, uh, hormone disruption issues before chemicals are put into the U.S. market. So how do these chemicals work? Well, it was discovered about 15, 20, 25 years ago, um, primarily through uh, the work haphazardly of of actually finding that plastic containers that were um, feeding mice were disrupting the results of studies uh, looking at estrogens, low-level estrogens, and they couldn't figure out where the disruption came from. And it turned out it came from the bottles themselves that were feeding the mice. And so it began this journey for many researchers, and it's now international work, um, and quite robust, actually, through the World Health Organization, uh, the Endocrine Society, the American Academy of Pediatrics, the American College of Obstetricians, Gynecologists, all have position statements on these chemicals um, and their ability to disrupt human hormones. Um, and so human hormones, um, we all think of, you know, fertility, of course, uh, insulin is a hormone, uh, puberty. Uh, we go through many uh, growth and developmental change through hormonal changes in puberty, menopause. Um, we have hormones that uh, control blood pressure, hormones that can control uh, fat cells and obesity and whether they uh, people go on to have um, problems with insulin resistance. Um, thyroid hormone is, of course, a hormone that affects metabolism. Um, so we are just really... Uh, you know, filled with hormones that are essential to all of the normal physiologic functions of the human body, um, even brain development in utero. Um, And so what was discovered little by little, looking at different classes of uh, chemicals, many of which are plastic chemicals, but there are also pesticides as well, um, that they have this ability to not just, you know, increase or decrease, but essentially disrupt the functioning, meaning that either creating more or less of a hormone or affecting the receptors that catch that hormone at the site of where it's supposed to cause change. Um, and so this was a really eye-opening uh, discovery um, internationally, but also what's what's uh, quite shocking is that these changes can happen at very, very, very low exposures, um, parts per billion, parts per million, parts per even trillion. Um, and we're seeing that now, um, even with newer chemicals that are still coming onto the market, such as the perfluoralkyls, which are the non-stick chemicals. Um, most of the work really originated with the chemical bisphenol A, BPA, which was actually taken off of 
the commercial market in the U.S. in 2012 due to the robust science that was discovered on its ability to affect human hormones. Um, and it was taken out of baby bottles because of that risk in babies. But unfortunately, um, it is still on the market. It is one of the highest um, uh, produced uh, chemicals, largest produced chemicals worldwide. And it is still in all of the products that we, we really use on a day-to-day basis. So in the time of COVID, uh, why is it so important to avoid environmental toxins? So what it was discovered is that even before the time of COVID is that many of these chemicals have the, the effect, the ability to affect um, the human immune system, um, causing inflammatory markers to increase. Um, and this was especially true with people with contra- uh, chronic comorbidities or chronic diseases, such as um, obesity, diabetes, insulin resistance, heart disease, blood pressure issues. Um, And so we know that there's this cross link between the endocrine system and the human immune system. They speak to each other. They're essential to connecting with each other for a variety of physiologic processes. And so what we're seeing now with COVID is that people who have chronic conditions often are more inflamed, often have, um, you know, a history of increased inflammation through diet or um, air pollution from where they live, um, even certainly the personal care products and cleaning products. But that baseline level of inflammation that goes hand in hand with chronic illnesses in the United States actually sets people up for uh, an increased or an exaggerated immune system response when it comes in contact with an outside um, threat such as COVID, um, an immune system stimulant, so to speak. And so that has been, you know, the running, um, you know, uh, speaking points when it comes to the fact that people who actually tend to do worse with COVID exposure, meaning that they require oxygenation, um, ventilation, um, hospitalization, and even end up with death, um, tend to have baseline levels of inflammatory markers, poor nutrition, which often goes hand in hand with dietary, uh, with, with poor diet, um, and can set them up for worse outcomes. Um, Ali, your new book, Non-Toxic Guide to Living Healthy in the Chemical World, is an amazing resource, and I sure hope all of our listeners are going to get it. Um, you know, and, and, and it's extremely practical. I, I remember reading it, um, and, and there were things in there um, that were quite not necessarily surprising to me, but very um, practical, you know, like the certain tools that we often take for granted and we forget about certain things. Can you give our listeners an overview of um, how can they reduce the chemical and chemical exposure in their life based on the, on the book? And, and can you sort of give a little bit of a preview of that for, for our listeners? Absolutely. Um, so, you know, what what I did with this book, and I work with my um, my co-author, who's, a, you know, extraordinary researcher who was actually largely responsible for getting bisphenol A out of baby bottles in 2012. Um, what we decided is to really put together a book that was so easy to um, read, use, um, you know, come back to uh, and, and be able to use as a wonderful resource. Um, and so the chapters are divided up in the way that I think most of us live our lives, right? How we eat. So a chapter on food, understanding food labels and how to reduce um, chemicals through processed foods um, and reducing those as well as, you know, bulking up the gut microbiome um, and making sure the gut is healthy, um, 
you know, and thinking about all the things that food and medications can do to affect the gut, which is our primary immune system. Um, people don't think of the gut as the immune system. So, you know, we broke up chapters into food, uh, drinking water, personal care products, home furnishings, pesticides. Um, we have a chapter on medications just to discuss some of the very, very common you know, medications and what they may or may not do to the human body and what to think about when, when seeing a physician even and what to ask. Um, but we have a chapter on how to prepare for pregnancy. Um, you know, what parents and parents to be can think about when it comes to reducing exposures to chemicals, especially when it comes to the growth of a fetus, which we know is an incredibly vulnerable experience and that the placenta does not actually um, protect or prevent many of these chemicals from crossing the placenta into a growing fetus. Um, and so the book was designed to really not scare anyone off, but really to, to open their minds up to do things in a sequential easy way um, at their own pace. It's considered a journey. I mean, I'm still nine years into this and I'm, I'm still on my journey. And I wish I had this book uh, nine years ago to really dive into with all my questions. It's filled with vetted resources that are evergreen. So they are in charge of their material and can keep on top of the markets. If businesses buy each other out, we want to make sure that people are getting really good information about products um, and how to choose those products safely. Um, and it also has a refrigerator tear-off sheet, which I felt very strongly about and had to actually fight pretty hard for, even though it's just a page with, you know, perforation. But the idea was to really give people something they can look at in the refrigerator to work off of um, at their own pace. Um, it's, it's meant to empower people and to really give people options to move through these topics carefully. So I have a personal question. I hope our listeners like it. So, um, you know, I find that there are certain things in the book that really stood out to me, partially because I, you know, I've heard about it, but I kind of uh, never really went deeply into it. So the, the issue of perchlorate, um, yeah, I didn't actually know the extent of the concern. Uh, so maybe just on the example of this one, you can tell us, tell our listeners just for maybe a couple of minutes as to this one specific chemical. How do you think about this when somebody comes to you and you're potentially worried that this patient may have a toxicity of exposure? How do you, how do you kind of think through this and, and walk the patient through the testing or no testing, uh, detox, no detox? Well, first of all, I try to get, and I believe every doctor should be trained in this. Um, hopefully this will change in the future for medical schools and residencies, but I believe we should all have a very basic environmental um, history. We should get an environmental history on our patients. And really what that means is what are people eating? What are people, where do they get their water from? What's their source of water? Is it well? Is it um, municipal tap or, 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 you know, a wastewater treatment plant that serves pretty much 85% of the U.S. population? Um, you know, where do people live indoors? Are they mostly indoors? Or are they mostly outdoors with their activities and hobbies? Where do they work? And what are the exposures that may um, take place at work? Do they choose their own cleaning products? Or can they uh, bring in cleaning products like I do for, for cleaning services at work, which I know are safer and, and, and less toxic? 
Um, and so, um, you know, really, I want people to think about just, you know, number one, don't buy extra chemicals if you don't need them in your life, whether it's air fresheners, which are remarkably un- unhealthy and filled with phthalates, uh, which are endocrine disruptors, um, candles, synthetic candles, synthetic air fresheners, um, incense, uh, fabric softer, softeners, detergents, mostly cleaning products are pretty avoidable. And we have a lot of do-it-yourself cleaning product recipes actually in the book. Now, when it comes to perchlorate, as you mentioned, um, perchlorate actually is a food wash. It's an allowable food wash on the U.S. market. Um, And so not in organics, but in conventional foods. It's a wash that allows, um, you know, to avoid, uh, you know, bacterial um, entities like salmonella, um, and it tends to clean the surface. It's a detergent. The problem with perchlorate, for instance, is that perchlorate um, likes to get into the thyroid gland and sit in the little transporters in the thyroid gland um, that normally hold iodine, which is should be part of our everyday diet. You know, anthropologically, we developed with having iodine in our diet from fresh seafood um, and some other components, beans, cranberries, um, and yogurt. Um, But a lot of us don't eat as healthy as we should. And then we had uh, iodine was added to our food and bread that has since been removed. And then a lot of us are cooking with sea salt, which does not have iodine. So iodine is quite protective um, and you don't need a lot of it. But perchlorate competes with the same locations on the thyroid that um, iodine typically would sit and and kind of maintain health. Um, And so the problems with perchlorate is that, you know, most people don't even know that it's on their food, just like they don't know that there's over 1,100, you know, allowable chemicals in food, processed foods that are untested or not required to have any testing before going into their food. Um, And so what I talk about with my patients is I kind of do a general overview um, of the main things that get into their body, food, water, cosmetics that we put on our skin, personal care products, um, but also feminine care products. I think people don't often think about feminine care products as a, as a real risk to human health. But in fact, intravaginally, when we use tampons for an entire lifetime and we start young as young women, you really want to watch the chemicals that are being absorbed in that area. Because as we know, in medicine, we utilize that route to get estrogens into the body and it's quite efficient. So you can imagine that that many of the chemicals, synthetic, you know, pesticides, um, chlorinated chemicals for cotton, um, phthalates, antimicrobial chemicals, um, fragrances, they all are put into feminine care products. And so I go through all of the areas that touch their body, go into their body and some of their habits, and we start really um, easy. We start with just trying to cut back on purchasing many of these chemicals, mostly cleaning products. I give my patients um, the website for them to look up their cosmetics or use the Healthy Living app. It's an app on uh, it's for free. Um, and I do this with my high school students as well. We all download the Healthy Living app and they can look up cosmetics, choose better um, options that are less you know, toxic. Um, and so really it's just about teaching people uh, how to do it themselves. It's the fish and the fishing rod uh, story. I want my patients to have um, you know, the fishing rod to learn how to keep on top of products, changes in the market, and to really think um, judiciously about what they put um, in, on, and around their bodies. 
That's great. Uh, you brought up a couple of uh, resources, and uh, maybe you can tell our listeners a little, a little bit more about the Smart Human website, your website, as well as maybe any other resources you want to mention. Sure. So um, out of frustration, um, of course, when I was on this journey early on, I really couldn't believe what I was reading. So I started to, as I learned and started to um, solidify the information and really, you know, vet out this information with really reputable sources, I began a platform on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and also the website called The Smart Human. So it's thesmarthuman.com. Um, and it's filled with podcasts and radio shows and blog posts and, and basic, really, you know, interesting environmental health information. Um, but then also Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, I post three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, typically. Um, and uh, I share, you know, great articles, but also give people the punchline, you know, in bu bulleted form, which is the way I like to learn when you're busy or you have work or you're a mom and you're, you know, you don't have a lot of time. It's really nice to get bulleted information with high yield um, Uh, you know, tips and recommendations. And so I post Monday, Wednesday, Friday on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, I also have a podcast that I recently started called The Smart Human Podcast. In fact, Misha, Dr. Kogan, you were a, a lovely guest on my podcast. So I really appreciated that conversation uh, talking about medical marijuana. Um, I thought that was an, quite an important topic and you did a great job with it. So You know, really, I'm just trying to get this information out. I don't sell anything. I don't endorse anything just to, you know, really emphasize the legitimacy of this information. And of course, I'm trying to share this information with schools nationally, putting together programs for high school students and college students and really teach them young uh, that what they do, um, you know, throughout their whole lives, but also maybe even before becoming pregnant, um, you know, making them think before they vote for issues that affect their bodies, such as, you know, environmental topics and, and politicians who support what they believe in. I want them to be quite, quite thoughtful. Um, other resources that I will recommend to your listeners is Environmental Working Group, ewg.org. Um, they are scattered throughout um, this book as a resource for a variety of topics, whether it's water filter uh, guide, um, whether it's the cosmetic um, you know, uh, page to look up cosmetics and personal care products and see which ones are safer or less, less safe, um, according to their toxicologists. Um, and their website, I'm sorry, their app called Healthy Living is quite helpful. Um, so I also use the NRDC, uh, NRDC, um, I'm trying to remember, National Resource Defense Fund. Um, and that's a wonderful resource. But we're, we have tons of them in the book. And people will be able to look up couches without flame retardants from a very reputable website. Um, and just a variety of groups that just get it right. That is going to be a wonderful resource. We'll include a lot of those links in the show notes. Dr. Cohen, you know, I, I can't stop wondering that I'm, I'm a very optimistic person by nature, but this is one topic that concerns me probably the one of the, you know, probably the most in the entire sec sector of healthcare. Um, I don't see any movement towards decreasing total toxic load, and I don't really see enough um, political interest in this topic to sort of reverse the trend of ever increasing number of chemicals. But, um, you know, I, I don't want to just ask your opinion about the future, but I, I want to ask your opinion about how would you design a potential fix of the issue? Or if you were to sort of be in the power, what would be the steps you think you'd take to really reverse this terrible trend? 
Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I myself am a bit frustrated and I've decided that instead of being frustrated, I would focus my energy where I think I could have, you know, the most impact. Um, you know, people like Environmental Working Group and the president of EWG, Ken Cook, um, and many of his colleagues have been fighting the good fight up on Capitol Hill, um, testifying against various chemicals that are infiltrating our water systems. Um, you know, we have to think about the rollbacks that have gone on in our environment, because what happens in air pollution affects our water systems. You know, all these chemicals do land on bodies of water that will make their way into um, municipal wastewater systems that become our drinking water. Um, you know, when we, you know, a layoff of, uh, you know, manufacturing and dumping, you know, we get contamination of local bodies of water that become our drinking water. Um, when we, you know, roll back emissions on cars, um, when we don't require testing of new chemicals um, before they go to market, which at this point, we have at least 15 new polymers that go to market every uh, week. Um, we have a thousand every year, um, and we haven't. And we've grandfathered in over sixty-two thousand chemicals that never got tested, even on the most basic level. So, I think you know the problem is is that um, we don't have legislation that's really tough because we are in many ways bullied by the food industry and the food lobbyists, and it's a really screwed up system. I will say that there are a lot of uh, good people working to, you know, right these wrongs. And we're starting to see some of these, uh, you know, regulatory issues come back into play um, in terms of air quality emissions, climate change, uh, you know, regulations moving forward. I think that's quite important when it comes to chemicals and environmental health. You know, I I long since said that my my best um you know, impact, my greatest impact will be to teach people to do things for themselves. And as my mother used to say, um, do everything for yourself. Don't wait for others. And in fact, really, if we were to wait for um, our government to really protect us on these issues, um, we're going to just continue to get sicker and sicker. Um, and as a physician who treats autoimmune disease and other diseases, chronic illness, uh, I'm seeing sicker and sicker people at younger and younger ages. Um, we may live longer, but we're living sicker. Um, and so, you know, it really started to get to me in quite a deep way. And I said, you know what, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to do a platform. I'm going to teach high school. And I'm going to try to get this into people's hands so that they can feel empowered to do this for themselves. Um, and really, it's been, you know, it's been quite a groundswell. And people are really into, into this information because they are getting sick and their, their relatives are getting sick. Um, so hopefully people will start to see that they can do uh, a lot for themselves and reduce body burden of these chemicals and reduce their risk for developing both acute and chronic illnesses. Well, thank you so much. I'm, I'm glad you uh, ended on somewhat of a positive note. Um, and thank you so much for coming. And I think that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Cohen, and have a wonderful day. Thank you for having me. This is the GW Integrative Medicine Podcast from the GW Office of Integrative Medicine and Health. I'm Dr. Misha Kogan. And I'm Janet Rodriguez. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you.